0: I'm Lori Leibovitch, and I'm the editor of RealSimple.com. The first time I brought my now-husband back to my childhood home to meet my family, he was horrified. He pulled me aside after about 24 hours and said, Who are you, and why are you acting like a petulant 16-year-old? Ouch. His words stung, but they were also spot on. I was acting like a teenager. Remembering this moment, and then realizing that we're only a few weeks away from Thanksgiving made me want to explore holiday regression and why we often turn into the worst version of ourselves when we're around our families. Joining us now is Gala Darling, an author, teacher, and speaker who's written about what it's like to go home for the holidays and act like your former self. Her site, galadarling.com is visited by one million women every month. Also joining us is Lori Gottlieb, an L.A.-based psychotherapist and the author of Marry Him, The Case for Settling for Mr. Good Enough. She speaks frequently across the country on topics including parenting, relationships, and media culture. Welcome to the show, Lori Gottlieb.
1: Thank you. Nice to be here.
0: And welcome, Gala Darling. Hi. Thanks for having me. So, Lori, I want to start with you and have you describe sort of from the psychologist's point of view, what exactly is regression and why do the holidays seem to be a point in time when we are all activated to regress?
1: So regression is when we go back to an earlier time in our lives emotionally And at the holidays, we are surrounded by all kinds of triggers that will bring us back to that place. So whatever relationships you have with with whoever you're with, whether that's your parents or your siblings or your cousins, all of those relationships from when you were younger kind of come flooding back to us if we're not aware of it in the moment.
0: Gala, you've had an experience of being back home, and in your case, new home is New Zealand. And recognizing that you were regressing, but you didn't actually know it yourself. Someone else had to tell you.
2: Right. So in those instances, it's really been my boyfriend that's able to see what's going on. And, you know, because he's around me so often, he can see when I'm behaving differently than I normally would. For me, it feels normal to be like my 15-year-old self when I'm with my parents, but obviously he's not used to that version of me. So having someone around you that's very conscious and aware can really, really help because I don't think I would have noticed it myself. I might have felt like, oh, this doesn't feel very good. I'm not very happy right now, but I might not have necessarily been able to pinpoint why that was.
0: And what were some of the things that you were doing, and what does your 15-year-old self look like?
2: (laughs) Oh, God. Really, it's just a way of interacting with my parents where I feel that they expect certain things from me, and then I feel that I have to live up to those ideals. It's really about being very reactionary and just reacting to stimulus all the time.
0: Gala, you said that your boyfriend, someone who interrupted your regression when you were home and noted it, how did he tell you and and how did you take it?
2: He literally said to me, so when are you going to change the relationship you have with your parents? Because it's really weird. Literally, his worse to
0: me. And how did you react?
2: At first, I was a little taken aback, I suppose, because It's a pretty forward way of bringing something to someone's attention. But I think him really noticing the behavior in me prompted me to do something about it. So I then had a conversation with my father where I just said to him, like, hey, I think we need to change this dynamic slightly, and here's how I feel, and here's how I'd like for things to be. And he was extremely cool about it. I'm very lucky that my parents are very loving and very emotionally nimble, like they're sort of able to rise to the occasion whenever I ask for something. And that's something I'm very, very thankful for.
0: So, Lori, Gala's situation sounds kind of ideal. Many people don't feel like they could have that kind of candid conversation with their family, especially in the heat of a holiday celebration. If someone is feeling like they want their dynamic to change, but they don't quite know how, what is the best way for them to go about doing it if they don't have a very communicative relationship with their family?
1: The first thing that they might want to look at is how they can start changing themselves because two people are involved. It's like a dance, right? And so if one person changes the dance steps, the other person has to change the dance steps too because they'll fall otherwise. And so it often is uncomfortable in the beginning because you know the person who is watching you change is very confused by it and might not like it very much because we all sort of tend to want to revert to the status quo. But I think we have this idea that, you know, if we want something to change, we should go to the other person and ask them to change. And sometimes having a conversation about, you know, what's not working is helpful. And in other cases where the person may not be as receptive, it's really helpful to think about, well, how can I make this experience better? What can I do to make it better, at least for me? <laughs>
0: you know. Back to the question of how to have a conversation with someone who you are, maybe going home with. It's not your own home, but you are noticing in them regression and kind of bad behavior. What's the best way, Lori, to have a conversation with your significant other or a friend who you're with, who you notice is kind of turned into someone else?
1: Well, it sounds like the boyfriend in this case really cared about her. And that's what I think needs to come across, broaching the conversation so that the person who might not even have been aware that they were acting in that way can become aware of it without feeling ashamed or embarrassed by it.
0: So saying to your significant other, you're acting like a brat, what are you doing is probably not the best way to do it. (laughs) Gala, what are some things that people can do to prep for this long holiday and to get themselves ready for any of these potential minefields?
2: I love to go into situations with a really strong intention or visualization of how I would like things to unfold. It can help to really think about what would the ideal scenario be here. And that may not happen, but it's better to go into it feeling that way rather than kind of going in there blindly and just feeling a bit reactionary. So if we go into it feeling strong and capable and we know who we are, then that can really change things positively.
0: Lori, what about you? What are some strategies that you would suggest to people? I think it's important to remember in the
1: moment that the person who is upsetting you is not necessarily trying to upset you. They probably love you and care about you, or even if you don't have the greatest relationship, they're certainly not malicious. <laughs> In most cases, (laughs) it might feel that way, you know, the way that siblings are, oh, that was a snipe, or that was a snide remark, or yes, they're saying things, but underneath it all, everybody just wants to be loved. Everybody has the potential to feel hurt, and you might actually be hurting them without realizing it. We have this long-standing neurological wiring from being a child that when this happens, I immediately go from zero to 60 when this happens. And so how do we short-circuit? that. And one way is, oh, that's happening and before we say something, we know you can feel it in your body, right? You can feel it like, you know, you get tight in your chest, whatever happens, before you say the thing that you were going to say, just take a breath. Count to 10 in your head and you'll see that you can actually step back for a second before you do the thing that you might normally do or that you did when you were 15. It will calm you down and it will calm everybody around you down.
0: Guys, do you have anything else that we didn't cover that you would like to add?
1: I think one of the things we forget in all the stress of the holidays is that we're not going to have these people around us forever. Mm -hmm. And we also want to be aware of all of the things that we are excited about about being able to spend the holidays with some family. There might not be every person there as your favorite person, but we have certain things that we are grateful for, and to try to focus on
0: those things at the same time. Joining us now to talk about her own interesting family dynamics is Megan Gailey. She's a stand-up comedian who recently made her late night debut on the Conan O'Brien show. She appeared in season three of Adam Devine's House Party on Comedy Central, and she's a cast member of the new MTV show, Ladylike. Welcome to the show, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. So can you describe your family dynamics to our audience a little bit? I would love to. I
3: am originally from Indianapolis, Indiana. I have two older brothers, and they are both married and have children. And then I have two sweet, loving little parents coming to L.A. right now to visit me. They are Peggy and Jeff, and they've been married for 36
0: years. And what were the dynamics in your family like when you were growing up?
3: My brothers are probably considered the two most evil older brothers. Midwest. Um, really?
0: Has that been awarded to them in any kind of official
3: way? Like in hindsight, everyone's like, yeah, they were pretty wild to you. <laughs> I like to say I spent a lot of my childhood in our Cocker spaniels cage.
0: Uh, <laughs> and not on purpose? No, no, no. Locked in
3: there. <gasps> one of my brothers is six and a half years older than me, and then the other one is four years older than me. So they were very close in age, and then I was kind of much younger. And My mom and dad really, really wanted a girl. I was the first girl on my dad's side in 62 years. Oh, my gosh. So I was born and then it was like, oh, Michael and Ryan, goodbye for now. And then kind of like celebrated this girl. My mom is the youngest and only girl. So she was very sympathetic to my cause. But my brothers were pure, like, evil to me.
0: Okay, I need some stories. What are some juicy anecdotes? So you got locked in the Cocker Spaniel's cage. That's a good one. What else?
3: They would booby trap my door shut. There weren't any locks on our doors because my mom, I think, didn't want them to terrorize me. But they found a way to tie the outside of my door handle to the outside of the bathroom door handle. So I wouldn't be able to get out of my room. So I was barricaded a lot. They would hold blankets over my head and tickle me until I was like going to pass out.
0: So I have to ask, as the uh, younger sister of two older brothers myself, did one of them ever hold you down while the other one farted on you? Absolutely. I think that
3: would <laughs> still happen today.
0: <laughs> so you're... A stand up comedian. You live in Los Angeles now. What's it like when you go home for the holidays?
3: This will be a particularly interesting holiday because this is the first one I will be single for in two years. So I've brought a significant, the same significant other with me over the past few years. And so before that, I was always like still a little baby. They both had significant others. My other brother had two kids. Like, everyone was a grown up. And then it was just kind of like, Oh, Megan's here and like on her own terms and doing her own thing. And then I had my boyfriend who was extremely like grounding for me. He's sober. So like, I think I reeled in a lot of my (laughs) issues, maybe a little bit when he was around. And my brothers really liked him. So then it sort of became instead of like, I was the fifth wheel. It was like, oh, three grown-up couples staying in this nice home. Everybody kind of like behaving top-notch. And now he is gone. So I am a little afraid that like the wheels may totally come off.
0: (laughs) What are some of your fears? Like what do you think might happen?
3: I think there'll be a lot of like, you're going to be fine. You know, like those statements where you're like...
0: You mean you're going to be fine even though you're single? You little
3: spinster, it's going to work out for you. (laughs) I definitely fear that I may drink extremely heavily because now it's like I'm single, they're both married, and this is the first holiday where they both have children too. And so I'm like two whole... Big steps behind. There's definitely a voice deep inside of me that's like,
0: wait, are you going to be OK? What about regression that happens with your parents? We have talked a lot about your siblings, but what are some ways when you go home, particularly for the holidays, which are so intense, that you regress as a daughter?
3: My mom is very much a caregiver. She's a nurse by like trade. So I always say that like having a nurse as a mom is the best thing because they've seen everything. Like you could poop your pants at 35 and be like, yeah, we got to deal with this. Like they are, you (laughs) you know, she wants to be a mom again, even though we're all kind of grown ups. I definitely leave stuff everywhere. And she's like, oh, that's okay. You're at home. Yeah. And my dad, In the same way, he's a financial caregiver. He's not a nurse, so he can't clean up puke at all. But every time I see my dad, he gives me... $50 that he calls walking around money. And it's like, I have a job. I mean, like, thank you. I'm going to take this $50. But like, I'm a grown up, and you're still paying my cell phone bill. So like, I feel like you're doing enough.
0: (laughs) Do you think that they are going to be worried or maybe extra? Yeah, you know, extra attentive to you this holiday, because you'll be without a significant other?
3: Yes, I am not convinced. But I'm pretty sure that there will be like an email thread or text thread that I am not on that goes to my brothers and their wives that is like, we need to handle this girl with
0: <laughs> <Kids> <laughs> like
3: this is a volcano waiting to erupt. <laughs> Cause I went home for shows like a month ago and I realized that every picture of my ex and I had been removed. And then I I found one that was like a group picture of all of us. And my mom, of course, like walked in and just sees me silently staring at this picture. and She's like, okay, well, let's move about, you know, like fussing and hiding the picture. So I think it's going to be like, no mention, no pictures, no stories. Like, I think they're preparing.
0: Do you ever enjoy kind of going back to the dynamics of being the little sister? Yeah.
3: I think that I get away with bad behavior much easier than both of my brothers do. And I don't know if that's just because who I am as a person or because I'm a girl or because I'm the youngest or all three of those combined. But it's definitely like I can lash out and say insane things. And then it's like, well, that's Megan, I guess.
0: What's an example? (laughs) Both of my brothers, significant others are not
3: from the place where we grew up. And so I have been very, very adamant that I will spend no holidays in their hometown. And no one's really even asked me to do that. But I've just made it known like we will be in Indianapolis and everyone needs to be there. So I'm like dictating for a family and I have the least stake in
0: anything. <laughs> so you're pretty powerful.
3: But a lot of that too, is I think the guilt that everyone feels of how I was treated as a kid that now oh, it's really? like, I mean, my brothers even have been like, yeah, we like helped make you resilient enough to be able to withstand this industry that you're in. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You did not need to torture me in order for me to (laughs) succeed. Yeah. So they take credit for it.
0: Can you give us some more examples of the ways that maybe your brother's treatment of you has shaped who you are?
3: My oldest brother tattled on me for Doing a bad thing in high school. Okay, what was the bad thing? I smoked weed with my brother, by the way, who got it for me while I was visiting him. But I wouldn't let him borrow my car. So he wrote my mom a letter... And I came home from working my very prestigious hostessing job. (laughs) Mom made me read the letter out loud to her. And the opening line of the letter was, I just want you to know what your little princess has been up to. And then went to list all my indiscretions. So my best friend from home, like, still is like, You took her away from me for six months. Like, she's still mad at him. Like, my brother has said that his tombstone will say, here lies a man who betrayed his little sister. And I like bring it up every time I see him. As
0: you should. That is inexcusable. And I'm like, you bought the weed for me. (laughs) Did you tell your mom that? Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully this Thanksgiving, you will not have to read a list of all of your transgressions to the entire family. It would
3: be Too long. It would take the whole
0: Thanksgiving day. (laughs) Megan, thank you so much for being on the show today and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Jane Isay is the author of Walking on Eggshells, Navigating the Delicate Relationship Between Adult Children and Parents. She spoke to us from her home in New York. Hi, Jane. Hi. Hi, it's Laurie Leibovitch. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so glad you were able to join us. I guess the first question I'd like to ask is, why do we often turn into the worst versions of ourselves when we go home? You know, regressing when you cross the threshold of your childhood home,
4: I think it's a universal thing. And I think it's because... You see things that remind you of your childhood. Even if they've redecorated, then you see things that aren't like what you saw. So there's a physiological reason why walking into your family home makes you regress, because your senses are being battered with archaic memories, primitive memories. And if by some horrible chance you sleep in your old room...
0: I do. Well... (laughs) I mean, it's as if you're programmed. And the old room still has the old wallpaper and the old posters.
4: And it's, you know, it's imprinted on your mind and your heart. And it's very hard to be a grown up when you're doing this time travel across the threshold of your parents' home.
0: As you say, there are many reasons that we can be forgiving of ourselves for turning into our um, former... Monstrous childhood, yes. (laughs) Our, Our horrifying teenage selves. Yeah. And yet... You know, it doesn't feel so great to be that person. Um, I don't think a lot of us want to be that person. That's true. So what are some strategies or tactics that we can employ to, if not avoid it altogether, feel a little bit better about who we are today and act that way?
4: I think there are several strategies. One is to come with a gift. Such a good idea.
0: Tell me about that. Mm.
4: Well, what happens when you go home for a holiday The difficulty is that you're trying to establish yourself as an adult in your parents' home. And it's very hard because, as we've discussed, the signals are all regress, regress. So act like an adult. Decide that you're going to have a sense of humor about how Aunt Tilly kills the string beans. (laughs) Laughing with your children, even, and your husband about what's happening is a wonderful antidote to feeling infantilized, which, which is what you're feeling. You're feeling, I'm just a kid. I'm not the grown-up. It's going to bother me. The old things are going to raise their heads. Grown children come home. And they throw the laundry on the rug in the living room and expect to be treated like adults.
0: <laughs> or wet towels on the floor. Exactly. Or leave the milk out on the counter. Exactly. Yeah. So
4: one of the big ways to counter this regression is to, is to mindfully act like an adult. If you have the possibility, come with transportation so that you can get out of the house when you're about to crack.
0: I think that is essential Essential to have an escape plan, even right. if it's and just for 20 minutes.
4: That's right. And if you don't have a car, take a walk. And if it's raining, take an umbrella. <laughs> and so just getting a moment to breathe in deeply and say, I am an adult. This is my family and I love them. They are making me crazy now, but I will miss them when I'm gone, maybe. So I'm going to take a deep breath and be a grown-up. Also, here's another trick. I'm speaking as the matriarch of two families, my two sons, their wives, and children. Help. Clear the table. Do the dishes. Take over some of the adult tasks. The women in the kitchen may not want to seed the opportunity to kill the green beans. So that's okay, but be of help. You'd be amazed how actions which you would perform in any other house you were visiting are appreciated and change the way you see yourself, which is the trick here. They'll always see you as children. But if you see yourself as an adult, then you will be stronger in dealing with these awful feelings of being a child, being regressed, being helpless, and suffering from issues that your parents have long forgotten.
0: So. Let's go to the parents for a second. Oftentimes the parents who who sometimes maybe are hosting have an idea in their mind about how it's all going to look and feel. And I would say that that pressure and that vision of perfection has only increased as we've become more accustomed to seeing those images on our social feeds. And we know that there's an lot of people now who wouldn't think about eating Thanksgiving dinner without photographing it first and Instagramming it. So this all contributes to our expectations of perfection. What can hosts do? What can parents do? What can we all do to take that expectation down a few notches and learn to just make it as simple as possible? What you just
4: asked or suggested put me into my own heart. i have usually taken tremendous pains for holiday dinners, mainly Rosh Hashanah and Passover, you wouldn't believe. Mm -hmm. And by the time the kids would arrive, I would be exhausted. One year, what I did was I asked my sons and my daughters-in-law and the other adults to help prepare the ceremony so that they weren't annoyed that it took so long Right, and the other was I ordered in. Oh, I didn't cook, and I didn't really care what it tasted like. So long as I didn't cook it. And <laughs> how did it taste? Oh well, of course I went to a great place. It was wonderful. Uh huh. But the difference, and the kids noticed it. They said, "Mom, you're so relaxed." Well, I hadn't been cooking since dawn. Right, And, you know, you get older, it's harder. I mean, cooking and cleaning up and getting everything ready for somebody who's getting Social Security is not so easy. (laughs) So taking the pressure off the host or the hostess takes the pressure off of everybody.
0: Jane, now that you've liberated us all from having to cook for Thanksgiving, yeah. which I really appreciate You're welcome. As someone who doesn't love to cook, what are some other things that hosts and hostesses can say to themselves as this day and sometimes long weekend is unfolding? Yeah, to make them less disappointed. I think that there's a lot of disappointment, as you mentioned at the yeah. beginning, when... We anticipate and plan, and you know, many of us don't live close to our families, and so these kinds of get-togethers are really pretty unusual and, therefore, momentous. It's
4: very hard to give yourself the lesson that says, "Don't expect anything from those wretched children," because you love them, and you do expect that things are going to go well. The friction between the siblings is very hard for parents to take. It's a uh, it's a knife in the in the heart. Yeah. But there are certain other things you can do. The best mixer trick for families gathering around a long weekend is the family albums.
0: Hmm. Leave them out. I love that idea, Jane. I also find that with my children have... Just endless, endless uh, fun making fun of me and the way Oh that I yes! in the 80s. That's always good for a few laps as well.
4: That's right. Also, I mean, if you're bringing the children, there's another level of tension which we need to talk about. Let's talk. The grandchildren are not going to behave the way you wish they would. If you haven't raised your kids with the table manners of the elder generation, you're going to notice looks even if they don't say anything, and sometimes they will say something because grandparents often think they have the right to discipline their grandchildren. Right. So you have the level of, the first level of expectation that they should be perfect. And the second level is that they really do need time to cool down. This is the the corollary to get in the car or take a walk in the rain. Get them to a playground. Yep. I'm not talking about going to a movie with grandma because they're still sitting. On the other hand, you have to know how much they love being with the family. Mm -hmm. And however they misbehave, those moments, they will tell their grandchildren about Aunt Sally killing the green beans. (laughs) In my house, I had an uncle who was a scientist and also whittled. And I, he's long dead. He was the best relative. But I have on my windowsill a sculpture of a bird and a tree that he gave me before he died. You may live to know because you'll hear them telling their children. You know, one of the joys of being a grandparent is that as you get older, nobody notices you. <laughs> but the grandchildren do. And their faces still light up when they see you.
0: If you have a significant other and you're yeah. actually returning to their home with them, so you don't have all of the same baggage that they do. And you're smiling because you're not dying all the yeah. time. And you, you're actually pretty okay. Yeah. How can a significant other be supported through this walk across the childhood threshold? Well,
4: I think what you do is you put your ego somewhere on a tree outside. <laughs> and you just become the most loving person to this family that you can be. If somebody's mean to your partner, be supportive but not angry. Think of yourself as a therapist.
0: Jane, thank you so much for your thoughts on this. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today on Real Simple's Thanksgiving podcast. We hope that these conversations will help you navigate the coming holidays as the best version of yourself. But if you find yourself falling back into old patterns, give yourself a break. You're not alone. Everyone you're with is probably going through some form of regression themselves. I'm Lori Leibovich from Real Simple, and I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving. This episode was edited and produced by Alana Milner. And thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply.